Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the New York Sports Wrap. I'm your host, Mike Silva, subbing in for the on assignment, Rich Catino. Where is he? You guys know where he is. He's at City Field covering the final game of the Subway Series. Yankees going for the sweep. Mets trying to get off the schneid. Uh, Rich will be joining us in just a little bit. We'll get his perspective. Justin Walters, your other co-host, your normal co-host, will be coming on in the 9 o'clock hour. Give the Yankees perspective, and I'll be with you till 10 o'clock. We're going to do something a little different tonight. Uh, the number is 631-955-5400. Feel free to call in. We'll be watching the game, and joining me in studio, I have decided to bring in a co-host tonight because I was like, okay, how am I going to do a Subway series <laughs> and uh, and make this happen? So it's our buddy Jeff, Giants professor on Twitter. He was actually, believe it or not, on the radio, co-host, not co-hosting, actually, he was co-hosting, co-hosting, hosting his own show on 970 AM, The Answer, from midnight to 3 AM, which God bless him, that's the hard, I think I have it hard here on uh, WLAE at 830 at night. But Jeff was doing uh, midnight to 3 a.m. Of course, producer Steven's with us. He's got his Yankee colors on, so we'll mess around with him at some point and maybe beat him up or whatever. But, but uh, Jeff is with me. Jeff, welcome to the program. And, uh, you know, not the – I mean, you're obviously a Mets guy. I'm a – you know, everyone knows I'm a Mets fan. I'm not going to pretend to be anything else. I try to be partial. Uh, I don't think people always think I succeed. Uh, but this is a, this has been a tough stretch it's a it's a perfect storm where you have the Mets yep. basically losing they're going to lose out at ho- potentially a homestand and then um, they're doing an, uh, three games of the Yankees adds even more insult to injury on that. There's no first of all, thank you so much for having me, Mike. It's really such a pleasure to be here. The studios are beautiful. 
And uh, really, I, I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you. But yeah, definitely one of the worst, I think, at this point already, losing streaks in Met history. Yeah, they, uh, they're they going to go. They, but the last time they lost 15 in a row at home was 2002. What's interesting about that 2002 season was if the Mets even played like 500 ball at that point, they might have been a respectable team. That was the year with Mo Vaughn, Robbie Alomar, things like that. So these long streaks, and that's where I'll start with this Mets team. And by the way, it's the second inning, no score. It's uh, games going on. We can't do play-by-play. It's against MLB rules. But we'll keep an eye on the game, uh, of course, and in a couple of minutes we'll have Rich Catino on. But what I think is this. Look, I'll put it to you, and there's a lot to talk about. This Mets team has had the best pitching in baseball, the last 20 games, they're 5-15. and 15. They've gone from 2 over to 8 under. Yep, uh, That's not an anomaly. This is not a bad starting rotation. If it's healthy, and I know Syndergaard was supposed to start tonight, and he's still suffering a little bit from the, in, you know, the finger issue, that's not something that you should just like glaze over. It's historically bad offense. They're averaging less than four runs a game. They're over- averaging more towards three runs a game without Cespedes. Two things. Number one, you got, you really can't just say, okay, tear it down. That's what everybody wants, tear it down right that's now. That's what I want. I know that's what you want, we'll get to that. Because this kind of pitching is not hard, is not easy to rebuild with. And I was looking at the Phillies, and the Phillies have guys like Mikel Franco and Kingery and J.P. Crawford, and it, they're not really clicking, and they're now talking, or the MLB trade rumors was reporting about how maybe they need to go out and get some players from the outside. There's no guarantee when you make these deals. When the Mets made the R.A. Dickey deal, it wasn't Senegard who was the big name. It was Darno. Right. So you don't know what you're going to get. So rebuild, to me, is not the thing to do. Now, there's two other ways to go if you don't like the rebuild. You stay the course, and you just say, hey, eventually this is going to get better. I know that's hard for the fans to say. This will get better because the the numbers can't be this bad because these are historically crazy offensive numbers, scoring one, two runs a game every night. Or you make a splash to try to save the season. Fire a coach, fire a manager, demote someone. They've talked about demoting Michael Conforto. You know, some fans want them to bring up Peter Alonzo, you know, do something like that. Um, you know, to me, the probably the most logical in the way Sandy Alderson will do it was will be stay the course. That's probably what he would do. Yeah, all the things you just said you don't want them to do is exactly what I want them to do. Uh, you know, it's funny. They, they demoted Conforto twice last year. The first time he hit like 600, and the second time in AAA he hit like 500. I don't think that's going to accomplish anything. And I would love to see Alonzo. They, they actually had uh, their third-string catcher playing first base. The other. I, I'd much rather have, rather than Ploiecki at first base, I would love to see Alonzo playing first base in those games. What's the point of having three catchers? I'd much rather see Alonzo up here. Um, and, you know, we can talk about the, you know, the, the long-term strategy and plan, but I think the big problem you have, if you want to stay the course, and, 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 and you make a legitimate point, Mike, a good point, that with pitchers like DeGrom and Syndergaard still under contract, and, of course, Mats, that you should be in contention for the next couple of years. But here's the big problem with that. The big problem with that is not Mats. The big problem with that is DeGrom and Syndergaard because they're going to be up for big contracts under arbitration over the next two years, and there's just no way in heck that the Wilpons can supplement those two big contracts and then add the players necessary to complement them on offense. That's my take on the whole thing. No, And that's obviously the Mets have a $160 million payroll, and David Wright's insurance is, is part of that, right. and, and they're obviously getting that reimbursed. I still think you could put together a decent team for $160 million. And I had no issues with the way they approached the offseason. Clearly the issue is depth and where 
I think they failed, and maybe this is where your money point comes into play, is through the player development side. Right. And they re they redid the whole, you know, minor league system, brought in a new AAA manager. Uh, and if you look, you know, I was looking at Sandy Alderson's first draft, 2011 earlier today. I mean, guys like Lugo, Gazelman, Nimmo. Right. Guys like that are in that draft. Those are players who are having a decent to significant impact on this current club. Uh, that's not bad. You know, now there's no you, the, the criticism you could have is there's been no impact drafted player since he took over. There's no question because, about that. Because because Degrom's not his. Syndergaard was acquired. Right. Nimmo's a good player, not an impact player. That's the question. He has yet to draft an impact player, and right. maybe five years from now, who knows what this kid uh, that they drafted this year where that goes. That's the criticism. They what happened in 2015 is they were able to put in Syndergaard, Mats. Uh, 2014 DeGrom, and push out the, the Dylan G's and the Jonathan Nieces and guys like that. Right. And those guys are making half a million dollars. So it didn't matter. They now need more of those guys. And, yes, at that point, then you could say, hey, confidently sign DeGrom and Syndergaard. Um, I, to me, you still should be able to cobble together a good team. Maybe not a guaranteed division winner with those two guys. And what's the – I mean, I hear people say the value is never higher. You're going to tell me next year people aren't going to pay for DeGrom or Syndergaard? They're walkier. There's always someone looking to win a championship. Now, I know that the leverage changes a little bit, but to me to give it away now with still a couple of years of, of control, I think look, regardless of what happens, how things bad things get, I think they're going to be able to compete in, in, uh, in next year. I don't, I don't think they are. And, and my problem with the value, it's not that their value will go down in terms of their talent. It's that their salary is going to be the same reason you can't trade Cespedes now. It's really there are teams that would want Cespedes in their lineup, but I don't think he has the he has no appeal because of his contract. And I think the same thing is going to happen next year with Degrom and Syndergaard. They're going to be making a lot more money next year. And Mike, you know what? I'd love to know. There is something I would absolutely love to. Do you remember last year the Mets made a series of trades after uh, after before the deadline uh, where they saved a lot of money. A lot of money-saving deals where they didn't really get real prospects. They got salary off the books, right? And do you remember that rumor that came out where the Yankees, I think, leaked some information when they traded Bruce to the Indians? And there was a rumor that the Yankees offered two really good prospects. I, I, I think I know who those prospects are. I w- do you? I will say who I If I, one of them here's what I Here's yeah. what I heard they were. Okay. I'll get to Rich Catino in one minute. Okay. One was the kid that was pitching last night against them. Okay. And the other was a guy by the name of Jake Cave. Okay, so it was both not... in the big leagues. But okay. the guy last night, okay. Herman, versus a reliever they got from Cleveland, who's actually pitching pretty well. Okay, he got a save today in Binghamton. That's the rumor. Nobody named Andujar. No, me. Okay. no. Right, the Yankees. We'll get to that. The Yankees never give up anything of value <laughs> when it comes down to it. All okay. right, let's bring on. Let's get the Mets' perspective live from City Field. You hear him on ninety-eight seventy ESPN. Uh, this is his show, New York Sports Wrap. Rich Catino. Rich, how you doing, my friend? Good, Mike. How are you tonight? Good. So I, I brought in, uh, you know, a little buddy here today to kind of give the, you know, bounce off with me a little bit. Jeff, Giants professor from, from Twitter. Uh, so he's with me in studio here. Uh, Rich, it's, it's, this is a tough situation. You know, you and I have been both optimistic about this team. I still believe at the end of the year this will go down as a really bad stretch. And I think the Mets will play much better ball. Maybe... This will be a year of extremes. Eleven and one starts, worst team in baseball stretch, and then they'll, you know, the law of averages will even out. Uh, they really need this game tonight. But regardless, even if they win, 
uh, they've put themselves in quite a pickle. What, what what are your thoughts here? You know, the 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 team just seems disjointed. They they're playing a lot of close games. They've had some bad luck. It's like there's this dark cloud hanging over them. Well, you know, when you go through a stretch like this, there's so many places that you could place blame, ownership, the general manager, the manager, players. But the bottom line is I firmly believe that players have the right to change it, meaning that players have an ability to make things better. And really when you come right down to it, the Met offense, as woeful as it is, really came into the season with four core bats having to perform, and that was Conforto, Cespedes, Bruce, and Todd Frazier. And the only one that has somewhat performed, even though he was out for a month, is Todd Frazier. And, and, you know, in fairness to Cespedes, he had a lot of RBIs before he went down and also drove in some game when he hit while he was in there. But the good, news, the bad news is that Cespedes wasn't good today and that he's going to have to kind of re-slot himself down in Florida to see to get back. But to me, if this team is going to turn it around, it's going to have to be guys like Conforto and Bruce coming to the table and performing at a high level. Because uh, he got very lucky with Cabrera in the first six weeks of the season, but he's come back down to earth now to where I think he's a 270, 280 hitter. That's who he is. He's not a core bat. He's a great complimentary bat without a core bat. And I think that that's the problem that the Mets have right now. Their offense is scoring runs. The starting pitchers been fine. And I, I knew Mets and even Vargas were down into shape. I had confidence in that. The bullpen has some injuries. I would be familiar. We got good news on him today and on Flores in that the manager feels they're down in Florida rehabbing, and they will be back sometime during the road trip both of those players. So that's good news for the Mets. And really when you look at it, Mike, this is the way I look at it. I look at the season in stages. What the Mets have to do is by their all-star break, they got to somehow get back to 500 or a couple of games over. And right now they're in the midst of an eight-game losing streak that has them seven games under. It's a tall order to make up seven games in your record in a three-week period, especially when you're going on long road trips to places like Atlanta and Atlanta and Colorado and Arizona. But I think the big thing for the Mets is where they sit in the NL East, where they sit at the All-Star break. Because remember, if you look at the Mets' schedule, they have four games with the Nationals here in City Field going into the All-Star break. They're obviously playing another Subway Series after the break. But my feeling is if the Mets are two things when they come out out of the, the first half, if they're close to 500, maybe a game under or two games over, and if they're within five games of the NL East, then I don't think the Mets are selling. I think the Mets may end up buying and not selling. But I think there's still a lot of time for that. It's almost a month of baseball that has to be played, and I don't think the Mets are going to make any decisions on whether they're a buyer or a seller to that point in time. Rich, this is Jeff. Uh, my, my question for you was regarding the setback on Cespedes. Um, the first part is, do you think that's going to – there's a lot of rumors, obviously, about Conforto possibly being sent to the minors. So do you think the setback on Cespedes changes that? And also, when Cespedes returns, do you see him possibly taking reps at first base? Um, I'll answer the first question first. I never thought Conforto was going down to the minors, and now that Cespedes needs more time, it makes no sense because the Mets don't really have any outfield depth in their organization. So 
It doesn't make any sense. The second part of the question, I think Adrian Gonzalez's time is going to be very limited here. Uh, maybe he's got a couple more weeks. I think eventually there's going to be a combination of somebody and Loma Flores at first. It makes more sense for it to be Jay Bruce than, than um, Cespedes. And I don't think you're talking to Talking to Mickey Callaway about this, I don't think he's going to play Cespedes at first. You got to give a guy an entire spring training and, and some time to learn a new position. You got him coming back from an injury, he has to use his legs, and then you're asking him to play a new position in which he may have to stretch those legs more often than he does in the outfield. So I don't see that happening. I see the possibility of um, G. Bruce playing some first base and accommodating all three outfielders. Maybe Batista playing some first base and so. Lawrence comes back against left-handed pitching, but I don't see the first base thing uh, this season at all for Cespedes. I think it's something they might look into next week training. Rich, and, and we have Rich Catino, 98.7 ESPN, and, and host of this New York sports rap. He's at City Field covering the final game of the Subway Series. There was a question, and you probably heard it today, to Mickey Calloway about why they didn't DL Cespedes sooner, and he said something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing, Basically, hey, if we deal dealed every time they had an ache, we had no team. Do you get the sense the Mets feel Cespedes as being too cautious? And this is on the heels of Sandy Alderson's comments from about a week to ten days ago, when he went on that little mini rant about injuries, injury prevention, uh, prevention the DL. Do you get a sense the Mets are not happy that Cespedes is kind of not coming back soon, and maybe this quad thing is being overhyped by him? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think they're disappointed, but I don't know if they're frustrated with him. I think that's something the media may jump to in conclusion. Um, I don't, because you got to remember, Cespedes tried to play through this with an injury. It's not like as soon as it happened, he got put on the DL and then, you know, went home and laid on his couch for a month. He's worked hard to try to get back. The hip is connected. It's the same injury. I know they said it. It was quad, but the quad's connected to the hip and that flexor muscle, so it's not like this is a second injury. Listen, he's an important player on the team, maybe the most important offensive player on the team. And But you want him back here when you know he's not going to go back on the DL. So I think that sometimes we read into what these guys are saying a little too much. I think Sandy may be a little more upset than Mickey. I don't think Mickey's upset with him. Um, I think Mickey wants him in the lineup because he knows he needs wins and he knows he needs offense. And the other thing that's kind of ironic about when you look at Joanna Cespedes is that when the Mets acquired Jay Bruce in 2016, let's look at how few games those two sluggers have played together. Because when Bruce came over, Cespedes went on the DL, then Cespedes came off the DL, and then Bruce didn't really have a full season on last year because he got traded. And a lot of that time, Cespedes was hurt as well. They've had very few games together, and, and I think there are two hitters that would be helped by having the other next to them in the lineup, particularly Bruce now, where if you put Bruce ahead of the lineup and Cespedes or behind him, he's going to have Cespedes on base, or if he's hitting in front of him, he's going to get more fastballs, knowing you don't want an extra base runner for when the pitcher faces Cespedes. It's a huge thing. And I, I know there are a lot of best fans out there that, that, that have say this and that about Cespedes, but I'll just say this and make it pretty simple for everyone to understand. 
I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I, I don't like him laying down in the outfield, taking fly balls, and retreating. I've heard a lot of stuff about that. But the bottom line is this. This offense is suffering big time without Joanna Cespedes. And if Mets fans think he's loafing, it's so far off the plane of reality. He's not. He's trying to get back on this lineup and get back to play here. And he's definitely trying to do that because he wants to win. Joanna Cespedes is a winner. And if the 2015 season after the trade came, it didn't prove that to Mets fans, then I guess they just... They're just looking at it correctly. Rich, you mentioned that uh, there's really no immediate feeling that there's going to be a sell-off, depending on how things go, obviously, the next few weeks and and before the All-Star break. If things, though, really tank, I mean, a worst-case scenario, they keep losing, it continues to get worse, do you see any chance at all that we're talking about big names going like DeGrom or something? We're hearing those rumors even now. Do you see that as any possibility at, at all? No, I don't. I think there's a possibility if the Mets fall out of it that Familia might be shopped around. Since he's in his walk here, and, and, and my goodness, he'd be perfect with the Houston Astros in their bullpen. But I don't really think it. And, and this notion, columnist writing, Drum going to the end, that's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I'll say it, I said it on my, uh, you know, distribution service this week, NYM.news, I said it, if the Yankees want Jacob Drum, I get him in the room and say, this is what I have to have. I have to have Gary Sanchez. I have to have Gleyber Torres. I have to have Mike Bird. I have to have Andrew Hoare. And I have to have Clint Frazier. <laughs> and I might even need a couple of extra players, you know, lower-level minor league players as well. And if you don't want to discuss all those players coming over, then this phone conversation is over. That's what I would say to Brian Cashman. That's the kind of picture Jacob Zagram is. DeGrom also has done something that Luis Severino has not done. He's proved it in the postseason. And he's also under financial control. And if the Yankees traded a Rolvis Chapman to the Cubs, who was a rental for two months, and traded one of the top, if not the top prospects in the sport, then if I'm giving them a starting pitcher who's going to be under financial control for a couple of more years, then they're going to have to empty their farm system or Brian Cash, would do me a favor, just get off the phone and don't waste my time. Rich, uh, before I let you go, so you do have a new project, a content distribution uh, scenario. Why don't you give the listeners, and I know you'll talk more about it when you get back next week, but give the listeners an idea of what you're doing and the project that you're doing because, uh, you know, it's something that you've been working on for a while. It is, and it's, uh, and it's nym.news, newyorkmet.news, nym.news. And it's not the website you go to. You go to the website to sign up. And you can try it for free for two weeks, and then it's $3 a month, which is really inexpensive. And you get Met content directly sent as a text message to your telephone. And that means my exclusive one-on-one interviews, my commentaries, all the stuff that, you know, um, we get on a daily basis with the team. Robert Brent is involved with me in it. It was a Series X employee out of the left coast, who has bet ties. Michael Barron, who has a, a big-time future on Twitter as a bet aficionado and also a bet expert. The three of us are involved in this, and we got, we've got been up for like three days. We've already gotten hundreds of subscribers, so it's, it's a great deal, and I think that, um, you know, it's an exciting thing to be part of. We're, we're building it. We're going to have podcasts. We're going to have a way you can do 
directly interact with me on, you know, maybe in a pregame scenario or setting. So it's the wave of the future. People want instantaneous information. And I'll just say this, Michael, before I leave, go back to covering this game. Twitter, if you have thousands of followers on Twitter, and or, th- or thousands of people, I should say, that you're following on Twitter, you got to sift through all their tweets. My content is coming directly to your phone. You don't have to sift through it. You don't have to hit search engines. It's going to be right there for you. You can have it on your phone. You can save it. You can come back to it later if you don't have time now. Because I think what happens on Twitter is you see content you want to open, and let's say your wife calls you to, you know, pick up the kids or take out the garbage. You come back to your Twitter account, and now there's hundreds of tweets that have already come into you, and you have trouble finding the thing that you wanted to hear. You'll never have trouble finding it. It's a text message to your phone. And I think that's the biggest selling mark that we have right now with this, and I'm real excited about it. Rich, as always, good stuff. Enjoy the rest of this game. No score, third inning. Seth Lugo's dealing. Severino's dealing. Might be a fun Sunday night out at City Field. Be well. We'll talk soon, okay? You stay well, too. Always great, Mike. And uh, having you on the team of New York Sports Wrap has immediately made it a better team. Appreciate so, that a lot. You know how I feel about you, buddy. All right. We'll talk, Rich. Thanks a lot. Rich okay. Catino right. at Catino9 on Twitter, 987 ESPN. Always enjoy doing work with him. Uh, Jeff, you know, we are going to get into the Yankees after the break. we got to go to a break in a couple of minutes. But, um, you know, Rich had a lot of said a lot of stuff there. What I will say is this. With Seth Lugo, again, against a strong Yankee lineup, I know that there's no Aaron Judge tonight, but still a strong Yankees lineup. And we'll see. It's only three innings. With his emergence, and he's been really good this year, good out of the bullpen, only one really black mark, that was the Atlanta. It's like, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. Like, this team, there's a guy that's been great all year, and he gives up to a bad hitter, a home run in the ninth inning. Yeah. Like, you can't make it up. But with his emergence, you know, the Mets have a really good potential starting five. And you just can't throw that away. Like, just, yes, I know this year's going bad, and and – Rich gave you a very complicated scenario to get to 500 by the All-Star break. They need a month of yeah. good baseball to make up for this garbage that's gone on. Yep. They've really put themselves in a bad spot. And in best-case scenario, they're going to get themselves to 500 the All-Star break, and we'll see even if that puts them in, in spitting distance of anything. But with a second wild card, you probably can be at least theoretically in the mix. You just can't tear this out now with those kind of arms. These are not old arms. These are not 30-plus now, if they were 32 years old, I'd say forget it. You know what? But they're in their 20s. They all have a decent upside. And you can find offensive players. Now, does that mean they're going to go out and be able to sign big-name free agents at every position? No. But maybe they need to diversify the offense with different types of signings. Well, DeGrom is 30 next year. DeGrom is 29. He'll be, they're not winning the World Series this year. DeGrom is turning th- Now, Syndergaard is 25. 30's not old. For a pitcher, it's not that young. Um, but I, I yeah, I, I disagree. I mean, I think that it's good. Like I said, I think it's going to be very expensive to keep them. DeGrom is – I don't like pitchers once they turn 30, especially the hard throwers. I love DeGrom, don't get me wrong, but he's 30 years old. He's getting a big contract, even though uh, Rich is right, he's under control, and so is Syndergaard, but they got big contracts. I just don't think the Wilpons can afford both of them and to add offensive pieces. Interesting. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll get into the Yankees. I'll give you my thoughts on the Yankees. Justin Walters will pop in. Subway Series edition of New York Sports Wrap. We'll be back. Mike Silva along with Jeff, Giants professor, right after this.
The views, opinions, and statements expressed in the preceding program reflect the views of program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views of WLIE Radio, its management, or its sponsors. For questions and comments, please send us an email at WLIE540AMRadio at AOL.com or visit us at WLIE540AM.com. Cap off a weekend of watching sports by talking about it with Mark Rosenman and AJ Carter on Sports Talk New York. All the intelligent conversation, insightful interviews, and just plain fun are now right here on WLIE 5:40 a.m. from 7 to 8:30 Sunday nights. Visit their website www.sportstalknylive.com for previews of upcoming guests. Visit their Facebook page to win prizes. That's Sports Talk New York Sunday nights from 7 to 8:30 on WLIE 5:40 a.m. This is Higher Ground with Pastor Gary Grant and First Lady Grant inviting you to tune in with us on WLIE 540 AM and online at WLIE540AM.com every Saturday from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. as we expound the gospel of grace. We're also here to pray for you. Remember, God is still blessing in this season. I rescued Toast from a shelter in 2011. I knew right then that she was special. That's just one adoption story that started at a shelter. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Download our free WLIE 540 AM app and get all the information you need right on your smartphone. Find our app at WLIE540AM.com or visit the App Store right from your phone. Our way of saying thanks for listening to WLIE 540 AM. You're listening to WLIE 540 AM, Islip, New York, a part of Universal Stations, LLC. The views, opinions, and statements expressed in the following program reflect the views of program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views of WLIE Radio, its management, or its sponsors. For questions and comments, please send us an email at WLIE540AMRadio at AOL.com or visit us at WLIE540AM.com. Back, New York Sports Trap. Mike Silva in for Rich Catino, who's on assignment at City Field for the Subway Series. Uh, joining me in studio, I brought a little co-host today. Jeff, Giants Professor, at Giants Professor on Twitter. Also recently on 970 AM, The Answer. So brought somebody in, the special Subway Series edition of the New York Sports Wrap. So let's get over to the Yankees side of the ledger. As uh, we continue along, and joining us, the other half of the normal New York sports rap duo, Justin Walters. Uh, Justin's on, uh, obviously, Verizon Fios at Justin Walters TV. Justin, Mike Silva, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty well. Better than the Mets. That's true. I'll tell you that. No, nah, yeah, like, you needed to like be on. Can, I feel like you can use that anytime. That's true. Time of the year. So you should have like been here. Too much you should have yeah. heard Rich. You should have heard Rich. I was thinking of you. I was like, if you heard some of the stuff that Rich was saying, we might have had another one of those when you got into it with him about the <laughs> with, about ownership. So I'll have to wait uh, for that. 
So Rich I'm was. I'm not to listen to the playback. That's true. The demands for Jacob Degrom. That was a. Let me tell you, those demands that Rich made about Jacob Degrom for the Yankees. That might not even be passed in a fantasy league. I still demands. can't. I want to oh. talk about that. <laughs> That's crazy. That. But that. Um, Justin. Oh so, Lord, did he did he ask for Cashman in the trade? Uh, he asked for everything. <laughs> Actually, he asked for everything but Cashman. That's pretty much what the deal is. And I'm all for the Yankees paying, but I was like, whoa, Rich. That's a, oh. that's even a bit rich uh, uh, for my taste. So. Here, here's where I feel the Yankees are at. They're at a great point, uh, not because they've won 9 to 10. Everyone talks about, well, they're only a game up. They're really four games up in the loss column on Boston, and I understand that's because they're not even in games with the rainouts and everything. I really believe the Yankees uh, have, have set themselves up where the regular season's not going to be a problem, and, you know, they're going to— they're going to win the division. The Red Sox are probably going to be the team that has to battle it out for the one-game wild card. The Yankees, really how they're going to be judged now this year is, is this team one of those teams that plays well in the regular season, and then when you get in the playoffs, and Joel Sherman has talked about this in the New York Post, they're strikeout, basically they're, they're like the Houston Rockets, all three-pointers. Their power strikeout offense, can that be shut down by a really good Houston Astros team? or maybe the Red Sox, so ha- what have you. And is this going to be like another Seattle Mariners of the 90s team where they'll have good regular seasons, but now when they get in the postseason, the offense kind of goes a different way. You saw a little bit of that last year against the Astros. Obviously, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making a lot of assumptions, but that's really where they're at. They're playing for how can they make this team the best team possible for the postseason, not for making the playoffs. Before I delve into that, I'm not sure I can hand over the division to them just yet. You know, Mike, how baseball is, that there's so many parts. We're now past one-third into the season, and that Boston Yankees race I do think is going to come down to the wire. So I know you're not giving it the crown, division crown to them just yet, but I think that Boston just has every legit of a chance to win the crown as them, and it's scary that the two best records in baseball – most likely one of them, the second-best record, if they keep it this it's going to have to be in a one-game playoff. Uh, so that's just odd and bizarre to think of that. In regards to your question, I think it's going to be tough for this team. We know that they need pitching. It's nice that they have all these games with go-ahead runners, go-ahead home runs, or runs past the seventh inning, and you can call them the cardiac arrest kids. But how much is that going to play into a factor when they play against a really good pitcher, and they get deep into the playoffs. And I think that's one of the issues this team has got to work out with. But I think that they're still very young and not saying that they haven't scratched the surface just yet. We've seen a lot of potential, but when you get into the postseason, it's a different animal. And the most senior players that they have on the team, one of them being the pitchers in CC, and then the other guy you can rely on a lot is Brett Gardner, those could have some issues. Is it Duhar? Is Glaber actually going to be ready for the stage? Is Stanton actually going to break out of this inconsistency slump? So there's going to be a lot of questions. Um, I think Judge is going to show up and he's going to be fine. But there's still some question marks. Everyone's falling in love with what's taking place right now, and it's not going to be even magnified more just because this really is a dead period. If people didn't realize the Stanley Cup playoffs are over, as well as the NBA Finals, and minicamp, mandatory minicamp, just kick off this week for the Giants and Jets, but it really is a slow period. So it's going to be baseball, baseball, baseball. So we'll see how they'll be able to, I guess, fine-tune the team. But there's still some tweaks that I'd like to see from this team moving forward, some more early runs. It's like, what more can you ask for? But we know 
the postseason is a different beast, and I do believe Houston Astros still get the edge despite the Yankees taking five out of seven against the champs. Hey, this is Jeff. As much as I hate to sit here as a Mets fan and fix the Yankees, I mean, that's a conversation I do not enjoy personally. But to your point, uh, you know, that we don't want to – obviously there's a world difference, like you said, getting into the one game – you know, lottery ticket where you may not end up uh, with your ace on the mound. You don't know how it's going to work out. So, and the Red Sox seem to me to be legit this year, and it seems to me it may go down to the wire. My question for you is: Do do you see uh, do you see it taking an Andujar or a Torres, or, or do you think the Yankees are going to be are going to be able to get away with a Frazier or a Drury or even a Bird or some combination of those players to get a legitimate starting pitcher? Right now, I don't see that they would make one of those players available, the young cast being Andujar or Torres. Maybe Andujar, but Jury definitely would be able to go. Clint Frazier would be another player that you'd be able to throw into that mix. But if you're going for a Jacob DeGrom, you're going to have to give them an everyday player. You may not want to say that a pitcher is an everyday player, but the way that Jacob DeGrom is in pitching – you can't find someone that's been better. You can be picky and choosy and go Scherzer. Maybe you want to go Verlander or even go the person that's on the mound tonight for the Yankees, Severino. But Jacob DeGrom has suffered the most out of that group. That's a fact. <laughs> that should be so defeating that you walk out of the game with all of these leads and you know that the bullpen isn't going to be able to actually withstand and actually hold up on your side of things. But, yeah, if they're going to go for – a Cole Hamels, they won't have to most likely give up Glaber or Andujar, but if you're thinking about Bumgarner, stuff now is open for the San Francisco's division, so maybe they're back in the hunt. Maybe they won't be as forthcoming to give him in addition to Cole Hamels, who would have a little bit more leeway. So it's going to be, if you are but specifically for the ground, if you're going to go after him, the Mets are going to have to ask for the kitchen sink, everything but the kitchen sink, and I'm sure pretty much riches. <laughs> throwing out what that would be, and uh, I would love to hear what that was. But well, no, yeah, Rich, Rich wanted. Look, I'll tell you what. What reality is, and what Rich, Rich wanted. <laughs> Sanchez, he wanted Andujar, he wanted Torres, he wanted. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, it's like I already wanted. It's like come on. Here. He's not even. He's not done yet. He's not done yet. Was he? What did he want? Some. I prospects? think he wanted Bird too. He and wanted I think, Bird too. I, I think, think he mentioned the fifth player too. Yeah. I, well, listen, Rich. Rich, I think well, was. Who does he? Who, what does he think that Degrom is? I love Degrom, and look, but here, here's what I would say, Justin. I think if you're going to get a Bumgarner or Degrom, which is you know right now these guys are the the top you know five ten pitchers in baseball, and Joel Sherman said this, and I've been saying it for a while. There's going to be pain in that deal, and I don't think a team will say I will make that deal without Andujar or Torres you know centering it. If you want a Cole Hamels, I don't know how Texas would feel about that. You may be be able to go to the next level down, which is a deal surrounding Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier was traded from Cleveland, and I know the Yankees have, you know, a reason not to be playing him because they have players who are probably even as good of a prospect as he is ahead of him. But you have to realize, you go back to the Sunny Gray trade. They took Mateo instead of Torres, and you look at what right. Mateo's doing in AAA, struggling. Capperlian, uh, you know, I'm probably saying his name, uh, James Capperlian. He's out with an injury. Uh, Dustin Fowler, probably going to turn out to be a good player, not an impact player, but you're getting Sonny Gray. Big difference getting Sonny Gray versus those other guys. So it's really going to be up to the Yankees. Do they feel they need to go the DeGrom-level pitcher? 
or can and they go to the they next tier? maybe they should have went tier? after Cole, and look what Cole is doing right now. Right. That bullet definitely is going to bite them, if you think about that. And then Rich will always infamously bring up, why did the Yankees go after Verlander as well? But that's neither here nor well, there. Well, why didn't they not Cole go to Jared Cole? Because like, Jared Cole probably was going to cost exactly. them Andujar. Right. That, that, and they've now, been looking at Cole for right. since a young age. He's been on their radar. Right. And now Cole, this is what another thing what scares me about the Houston Astros as I'm not going to call them the Warriors, but you know by the postseason they're going to become ready to play. But you have Verlander, Cole, oh, sorry, Verlander, Cole, um, Dallas Keuchel, Lance McCullers, like, that is scary. And those guys are going to go in the bullpen, some of those guys. So that might solve their bullpen issue. Yeah, yeah, especially when you have a handful of those guys that are willing to go the stretch of eight innings. How much do you really need to rely on the bullpen? Are these bats going to be able to actually get after them? It hurts with what took place with Tanaka and then Jordan Jordan Montgomery was also tough in itself. And we knew – who the ace was going to be or the best pitcher was heading into the season. Seve's had another great year, but after that, there's a lot of question marks. Is CC going to be able to give you six innings? It's good to have his leadership. If they do a parade, he's going to be retiring. So you still got to start now thinking about the future and play a game of chess. That's what Brian Cashman has always been doing, playing a game of chess. So stop thinking about just this year, and now you're going to have more voids to fill for next year moving forward if you want to fill on and keep this dynasty going in the youth movement moving forward. Justin, uh, before we wrap up, you know, I was thinking about what you said earlier about this team and not giving anything to the the Yankees just yet. This is a lot different, and and everybody likes to bring up the '90s. Yes, they had Derek Jeter, they had Posada, they had Pettit, they had Mariano, but those guys didn't all come up at once. Those guys were put into a situation where there was a lot of veterans, guys like Cecil Fielder, Tito Martinez, already been in the league a few years, Paul O'Neill. Um, you know, guys like that, Jimmy Key. There were so many veterans on that 90s team that those guys were able to step up, but they really weren't. Jeter wasn't the focus in 96. He was supposed to be a component player, and he wound up being much more than that. This team is going to have to do it with young players because that's what they put out there. No one, They're not going to be able to bring in a veteran that's going to start or be a Cecil Fielder or be a Paul O'Neill because they've got players who are probably better than a veteran they'd bring in. And it will be interesting to see... How and I know they were the postseason last year, but Andujar and Torres were not. How that plays out because this is not a veteran team, which is a good thing in some ways, not a great thing if they face some adversity. Because it, it that Yankee team in '96 faced a lot of adversity, and I think the veterans like a David Cohn and so on, that was a big reason why they were able to overcome that. Who knows what these kids can do? It's tough to utter any team in the same sentence as a Yankee team. We can throw the crazy bizarre stats out at you. But to utter any other team with that team in the same sentence, let alone baseball team, that wasn't just one of the great Yankees teams. That was one of the great dynasties. And this team is going to be learning trial by fire, as you alluded to how if you're going to juxtapose both of those units, that team had a lot more veteran leadership, and the people that they plugged in, they became ready for the moment because they didn't necessarily have all of this pressure on their backs because they were more just, coming with the system, if you understand what that means at all. So I think it's tough when we throw those comparisons out and we love to fall in love and say, yeah, this feels like the special, like it's happening all over again with Jeter and then maybe um, this young infield. It's really tough to say. We have a lot of power with this lineup, and there's not that many glaring holes, but the postseason has and will always be about pitching. 
when a pitcher's on, you you can't do anything about it. It's as simple as that. We got owned by, when I say we, me being a Yankees fan, but I always will look at sports objectively, the Yankees got owned by Verlander last year, and the bats went cast with a friendly ghost. Yes, you got some more nice firepower with John Carlos Stanton, and then hopefully you're making sure that the health with Greg Bird as well as other young players stays well. But it's going to be tough during the postseason, and I think it's a little bit gung-ho or a little bit overzealous to start throwing the 96 team until the team actually wins something. Getting to the ALCS is fine, but no one really cares about third place, or even if you would call it that. Justin, so what do you got coming up? Obviously, they could check you out on Verizon FiOS. I know that you and Rich, you know, have a lot going on. You're going to be doing the New York Sports Wrap throughout various parts of the, parts of the summer. What else is going on in your world out there? Yesterday, I was actually at the Belmont, and so I was pretty Look cool. At you. My first time. Did yeah, you wear a hat? There. Did you wear like a nice suit no, and a hat? No, I did wear I did wear a nice suit. <laughs> Plug my Twitter earlier, Justin Walters TV, so people can check it out on that. But yeah, it was real neat to uh, be part of that, and I've always looked at different sports with a different kind of curiosity and finding out how they train horses. In addition to when I did bull riding when I was down south in Tennessee, and they treat these athletes like maybe there's a Steph Curry kind of bull. Our horse, or there's a LeBron. Did you actually go on the bull? Did you go on the bull? Well, you just watched the bull riding. Nah, I wanted to. The baby bull, uh, I ran the risk of going on it, and my supervisor said, if you go on it, we won't be responsible for anything that happens. Yeah, uh, no workers I don't comp. think about my career. <laughs> <laughs> the workers' comp went out the window on that one, so, oh, yeah, boy, that's funny. That was funny. a disclaimer. But, yeah, that was cool yesterday, but for this week, we have the U.S. Open, which is going to be in the backyard of Long Island. So yep. I know a lot of Shinnecock. people are happy to see that in Shinnecock. Some couple of good group pairings. I believe Mickelson is going to be paired with Feet and McElroy. So that should be a really nice pairing that I'm excited about. And Dustin Johnson will also be Tiger Woods. And I mentioned, alluded to it, aforementioned, the mini camps for the Giants and Jets kickoff this week. Mandatory. So maybe we'll hear from Eli. Uh, it'd be a perfect storm if Odell got his new contract. I highly doubt that would happen this soon, as they haven't really ramped up talks. But, yeah, busy week uh, on my end. All right, Justin, be well. Uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks a lot for your time tonight. Thanks, okay. Justin. Take care, fellas. Take care, Mike. Justin Walters, uh, Verizon Files, at Justin Walters TV. Always busy. Check him out. Follow him on Twitter. I saw them mention anybody who follows Giants Professor on Twitter <laughs> knows that once week one of the oh, – not even week one, late July – uh, oh, happens. Uh, yeah, he's out. Mets, uh, he's out. Okay. you know, uh, still no score. Bottom to fourth. Uh, knows that once the the topic of Eli Manning comes up, and we could probably do four hours of you and Eli Manning. So you wince when you heard. I it. might need a lozenge to stop me from screaming. You should have been in here when we were doing the NFL draft a couple of weeks. I ago. I am so, listen. I don't know if you want to get into this, but I am so <laughs> upset with their draft. I, I was screaming. I knew they were even. And you're a season ticket holder, and you yeah, have a PSL. That's right. So you, you have every right to be as critical as you can. Well, let me just say one thing. I think the PSL is the main problem, actually, here. Because I think because of the PSL, teams like the Giants don't feel like they're allowed to rebuild. They don't feel they have the leeway to rebuild. Well, New York in general has that issue. And I always feel like it's interesting because this ties into the Mets. Rebuilding is tough. And, and really right now you have a unique situation going on in sports where rebuilding has become where – there is a large contingent, there's executives and owners now, and fans that if you're not one of the top five teams in the sport, they want you to be as bad as you can. 
because they want to save money. Because remember, make no mistake about it, being bad for the owners is as much about saving and making money as it is about getting a high draft pick. Because not everybody can get the number one pick. That's the, right. the, the part. Right. You know, the fans all love you know, all the players are overpaid. You should see what the owners are making, man. These are wealthy, wealthy, beyond wealthy guys. The players are not the real wealthy ones in sports. Um, and I think that's bad that when you're in this tier. Now, the NBA is one thing. When you're in the middle tier, it becomes a bit of a problem. In the NFL, there should be no reason unless you're really bad to tank because anybody could get in and get hot right. with the right quarterback. That's true. NHL, with a good goaltender, look, the Golden Knights, they weren't tanking, <laughs> and they <laughs> were an expansion amazing. team. Right. Baseball kind of is not exactly like that, but with the second wild card, you get 85, 86, 87 wins, you get a hot pitcher. Look, if the Mets play a five-game series with this pitching staff healthy against anybody, the Mets haven't been blown out by the Yankees this weekend. This well, is They haven't. They've lost close games, and they have deficiencies, but... You have, you know, short series anybody could win. So there's it's so so much outside of the NBA, not competing makes absolutely no sense. And I also think it creates a culture issue with teams, and I think it hurts the fan base, the brand in those cities because there's too many things going on. You and I were talking on the phone earlier. Do you want in August because the Mets are rebuilding still to go to the ballpark? You no. want to, you know, call yeah. me in five years when they right. all develop. Right. That's not good for the brand. I'm sorry. But tell me if I'm wrong. I think that the Giants, let's take football because you're bringing in a lot of different sports here, but let's, let's take football. I think the Giants would rather go nine and seven, six years in a row, and miss the playoffs every one of those years than go two and 14, three and 13, two and 14, Super Bowl, two and 14. You think that's what Mara wants? I believe 100% with all my heart. With all the, with all, but, but see, here's the thing. The Giants have won a couple of Super Bowls in the last decade. Right. Like, they have equity. By the way, up. with 10-6 and six and 9-17. and 17. I just want to yeah. point that out. Those but, were that, not... but that goes back to my point. So if you went into those seasons, did you feel the two Giants Super Bowl teams, did you go into either one of those seasons feeling they were championship teams? No. Right. So now I made my point. Do I? Did I think the Mets – were a shoo-in to win a championship this year? No. Do I think they were good enough? And do I still believe that this roster is good enough to be in the mix for a wild card? Or, and I said at the beginning of the year, I thought they were a 91 team. I obviously have to maybe rethink that unless things really <laughs> I think so. go, go out there. But I still think at the end of the year, you're going to see this team, short of them having massive casualties or ripping it apart, in the 80s at some point. I don't think they're going to be. There's no reason for them to be bad as the Marlins and the, and the Reds. They just don't. It's illogical. I just want um, to say that when they were eleven and one, I said they're a horrible team. Who's eleven and one? That's what on Twitter you can go on Twitter. Horrible team. I saw that. A horrible team. That's a it's, it's a bit much. Now nobody's a nine hundred winning percentage team, and they had a lot of their offense. And there was the margin of error. Right. That's where the offense. The offense margin of error involved a lot of key clutch hitting, and that's gone away. They've played the fourth most close games out of anybody in baseball. That's why when people say, "Oh, look at the bullpen, the games they blow." When you play close games, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. Bullpens are going to make a bad pitch. You can't expect them to be perfect. They're also going to slump. Overall, the pitching hasn't been the problem. They've no. had a bit of a slump. The offense was perplexing, and I'd be curious when they go on the road this week, if you see the bats heat up again. Now, there's two thoughts here. One could be they're due because they've been so bad. The, numbers, the second thing I'm starting to wonder, this team doesn't hit at City Field. And it has nothing to do with the dimensions. The dimensions have been completely redone. Um, I think it's a fair ballpark now with the terms of it's not like it's a Grand right. Canyon. Yeah. 
maybe the atmosphere, and it's even when Shea Stadium is around where they're located off the water, it's always been tough until it gets really warm to hit the balls. Shea Stadium balls would die. Doesn't that affect both teams? That does. <laughs> but, but maybe it helps the Mets pitching. The maybe, Yankees haven't exactly, you know, hit the you know the you know what. I mean, they hit home runs. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying it, but the Mets play a lot more than but the they're opposition. twelve and twenty at home. Something not right with them. Right. At home. That's, that's. I don't crazy. know if it's they're putting pressure on themselves. There's something not right. They play better on the road. Yeah. They score more on the road. I mean, it, just two weeks ago, they faced, they faced Milwaukee and Atlanta. Those are not bad teams. They were yep. averaging five runs a game. This team scores four or five runs a game. They're going to win games. But they're hitting 230, and I think that's where they should be. I think that's right where they should be. With the, they, they, they League sign, average is 245 recently. That's a big difference. That's, that's a big difference. That is a big difference. In today's baseball, it's not. And that's very low. I think that's it's crazy it is to low. think. It is, for, it is for low. The, for the, for the yeah. league. That's it low. is low. In, in, in 2018, that's a huge difference. So, Jeff, so, so this goes into my point with the Mets, and a lot of people have been tweeting at me. Um, they've, been, they've been saying, and I'm watching, oh, nice play there by Snow Jose Cole. Reyes. Yeah. And Reyes is the game was Reyes didn't start though. This might be his last game. That's true. I guess Cabrera might have had a uh, some kind of. Don't uh, know. I mean, he is obviously not playing uh, healthy totally. So, you as a as a season ticket holder, as a PSL guy. Yep. And what is a PSL? Five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars. I paid. I'm embarrassed to say, but I paid five thousand dollars per seat ten years ago. One time. Though, one, right? Yeah, one time. And on average, what do you think your seats? What are the season ticket costs for seats? That you About one hundred and twenty. A Cor- game. Corner end zone, yeah. For each ticket, so yeah. it's about two forty a game times yeah. eight. Well, it's only eight games. That's not terrible. Plus parking. Well, the parking. Plus, they go. make you buy two preseason games that you don't want to go for the regular price. Do you go to the preseason games? No, and no, and I can't give them away. I literally cannot give them away. Right. If yeah. you go on StubHub, they sell for twenty bucks. Thirty. Well, at bucks. least you can get yourself your twenty bucks back. Sometimes. <laughs> so, you'd be okay. So, if the Giants said tomorrow. If the draft had gone a different way and they had drafted Darnold, who may actually be ready to start as early as this year, who knows? The quarterbacks is tricky. Who Never knows? know. Yep. And I don't know what they would do with Eli. I mean, obviously, I don't think you trade him, but I mean, you know. And they would go and get rid of Beckham, and just go full rebuild. You'd be right. fine with paying the season tickets for a three, four. I mean, NFL, you could rebuild in what two, three years with the right draft. Yeah, I think you can. And you'd be okay with that. I w- listen, be okay with it. Obviously, you'd I'm pay a, the I'm ticket. A fan. You, you're a fan. See, that's the thing. Like, I'd be upset, but I'd live with it. I do this show, and I'm okay with running and the commentary and, and trying to look at it from a team building perspective. Right. And a lot of the blogs and Twitter and the places that we frequent, and you know, they're going to look at it from well, this is what's the way you build an organization and a team. Right. But fans go to the ballpark to be entertained, and they want to win. And that doesn't always marry up. Team building, the right team building, and marketing and branding and selling seats, those are not, those are not all the time connected. So sometimes you have to split the baby in two, for lack of a better word. Right. And I laugh when people say this is so much common sense. The will punch do this. They have to sell seats. You know, you rip this team apart now and go complete gut it. Get what you can get for Degrom, Syndergaard, um, Familia, Cabrera. You know, whatever. Whatever you can do, fire sale, fire sale, get all these prospects. No guarantee any of these guys work out. Right. You have at least, in baseball, three to four years at least before you're even competitive. Even competitive. And then at that point, let's see who's a keeper, who's not, and 
what the other teams that are actually competing to and how do they look. But here, it's not easy. Right, but here's my problem. Not easy to do that. That's You're punting on four years in a town that's going to see the Yankees be competitive. You're widening the gap of your brand. And and I'm not saying you know foolishly go after it, but there's enough here where this, to me, the record is not what the talent level is. I'm sorry. And that's where there's a misconception. You can't tell me a team that's had the best starting pitching for 20 games they're not lucky. These are good pitchers. Right. Well, I disagree. I think the team is that bad. I actually do. We disagree on that. That's okay. Uh, but but here's where I really disagree in terms of the future. The Mets have no one coming up except for Alonzo. They have Alonzo. Right? So and how listen, are but you they got three them? pitchers. Nobody's talking about. They got Justin Dunn who had a nice double A uh, debut. Anthony Kay who's had some arm problems. Tommy John, which is not the end of the world. And they have David Peterson who they drafted. Now, are those guys Degrom, Syndergaard level? I don't know. The Grom wasn't the Grom until he got up here, and the Grom was hyped late in his right. minor league career. Right. But nobody thought he'd be this. I don't think they're nobody full, thought. I don't think it was Rafael like... Montero. Everybody liked. Right. That's, that was the guy that I liked. That's true. And that, so that's where yeah. this thing gets tricky. And to me, I understand what you're saying, finances and whatnot. David Wright's going to be off the books. He's never coming back. If he comes well, back, he's got to retire for that to happen, right? Listen, he wants to go through this charade and pretend to go and rehab for the next two years of his life. Dave Wright's made a lot of money outside of baseball, and I know walking away from $20 million a year. Right. But it's actually going down. As you get to the back half of the contract, the Mets front-loaded that. They were smart right. and financially. Um, you know, David Wright has kids. He's got two kids now. He's got a beautiful wife out in L.A. Like, you got to look at it this way. Is $20 million, whatever, that important? To you and I, yeah. That's a yeah. lot of money for anybody. It's a lot of money for anybody. You're going to go through and just go through this charade? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I, Maybe the Mets give him something. He's doing it now. He's taking Maybe grounders. he retires and the Mets kind of figure something out. Uh, but I think he actually wants to play or try to see. Yeah. From what I understand, David Wright wants to at least say, I put it all out there and I, I gave it my best. Right. But there's really, I mean, even with Adrian Gonzalez, he's got some back issues and he's probably not long for this team. You can see once your lower half goes, you're back. Yep. This game is impossible to play. Yep. It's impossible. Absolutely. I mean, you just saw a fly ball about ten minutes ago from Jay Bruce. Warning track power makes. You, I mean, he's gone in less than a year from a power hitter to warning track power. Makes yep. you wonder: is his back bothering? Is it the plantar fasciitis? Who knows? So, that's my issue with this rebuild: is the fans and the guys on Twitter who are going to spend time looking at the minor league system, watching the MLB draft, enjoying the whole rebuild process. Because I think fans enjoy some fans a segment, a sliver in this crazy world of blogs and Twitter, they get it off more on the team building than actually winning. There are people who said, well, that World Series was the worst thing that happened to them. You know, that was a great, from that August 1st to the end of the year, As a, if you're a Mets fan, you will always remember that. The that's, feeling, that's yeah. the electricity. Yes, did it end up not the way you want? Absolutely. But it didn't, you know, to say that just tells me, what is this all about? This is about winning, and there's enough here. Maybe they... You Allocate. think there's enough here for a playoff team? Yes. On this roster? Yes. Wow. Okay. This is an odd. I mean, this is <laughs> they're losing one run, two run games every night. Those can be flipped very easily. Now, if you were telling me they were getting trashed every night, uh, they didn't have any pitching. I mean, the bullpen's not bad. The bullpen's been pretty the offense, shaky. The thing about the offense, all bullpens are going to go up and down. I mean, the Astros blew plenty of games, and their bullpen's not bad either. Uh, they might need another arm out there. The offense, the thing about the offense, there's a couple things. And Mickey Callaway actually intimated about it. 
he basically said that they you could pitch to these guys all the same way. Cespedes is one of those guys where the starter could change his approach. And maybe that, you know, Nimmo's one type of hitter, but the rest of them, Bruce, Frazier, Cabrera, they're all similar type of hitters. A lot of power, low average, they're going to take a lot of pitches. There's not a lot of speed here. I don't think that that's necessarily a prerequisite, but it would be nice. Maybe they need to diversify the type of hitters they're going after. Now, Sandy Olison always has felt this is the kind of hitters he wants. Guys who take a lot of pitches, guys right. who have power, guys who walk to, to heck with the batting average stuff. Right. Uh, Nimmo's a guy that's kind of the outlier in this group. The guy, and you know what's funny? Mets fans love him, but to me the biggest disappointment so far has been Michael Conforto. This is the second time his well, swing is messed he up. He might be hurt. This, maybe. Well, he was. I know. I'll, I'm going to give you the most balanced approach here. Maybe one, he didn't swing a bat for eight months while he was approaching shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. Two, maybe he tried to rush back to be back by opening day. Maybe he needed to get on a rehab assignment. Right. But for the second time in three years, his swing is all messed up. He goes from here to here to here to here, and these slumps are long. They're 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 never ending. And when they needed him the most, he didn't step up. And fans are incredulous about him being sent to the minor leagues, which I don't think the minor leagues would do anything in terms of developing him. But maybe he needs that to say, hey, this could be your future. It goes away like this. Matt Harvey, it went away like this. Right. If I told you three years ago Matt Harvey's going to be on the verge, probably no one's going to sign him to anything but a minor league deal this offseason. And he's probably a hair away from being not really in the league. Well, be careful. He's been pitching pretty well. He's got an area of the processes. <laughs> believe me. Matt Harvey will never be a good pitcher again. Yeah. He'll probably be able to get jobs for the next few years because of his name. He'll never be a good – he can't command his pitches. He doesn't know how – he doesn't have the ability to adjust to being the kind of pitcher he needs to be with this compromised physical state that he's in. And Scott Boris yeah. can sell everybody on whatever he wants. It could go away quick. Yep. And Michael Conforto show, has shown me a lot. I thought at one point he was better than Aaron Judge because of his process. Judge is a, a, a swing and miss guy, and I don't think those guys sustain. So right. far, Judge has proved me wrong on that. But we'll see how that lasts over the long haul. So to me, Michael Conforto has been the biggest disappointment to me because if he's at least not what he was last year, but 20 or 30% of what he was last year, this team is not eight, seven games under 500. Oh, there's no question about that. But you know, my problem is that all the guys the Mets pick, picked up. They're like not hitting their career norms. Frazier and Bruce, they're hitting exactly what I expected them to hit. No, they're way few, below a their A few less norms. home runs. That's no, about their it. career norms. Like, if you look at the last three years, which is all I care about, I don't care what Jay Bruce did six years ago. I care what he did two, three years ago. They're hitting exactly what they, I think Frazier's even hitting a lot higher. I have to teach you how to look Yeah, look it up because they're hitting, if you average what Frazier and Bruce are hitting, and if you want to add now, if you use OPS plus, okay, okay, that's going to give you the whole weighted measure of how okay. they are versus league average. Jay Bruce last year was one nineteen OPS. That means he's nineteen percent better than league average for his career. He's nine percent better than league average. He's he's below league average this year at seventy seven. Okay. That means he's twenty three percent below league average. He's not. That doesn't include the extra nine points. So he's about 30% worse than what he normally is. Right. Now, maybe you could turn around and say that's predictable because he's now 31. Yep. I don't know if they knew about his back, his plantar fasciitis. Conforto, let me bring him up. Conforto now. And Frazier. Now, let's go here. Conforto right now is 3% below league average. He's at 97 OPS. So he's below league average hitter. Conforto, for his career... On his good years, which was last year, he was about 140 OPS plus. For his career, he's 120. So he's 23% below 
his career norms. Yeah, this is not the real Conforto. Oh, looks I, I like the Mets yeah. just scored. Oh. That is a two-run homer, Todd Frazier. Oh, wow. Okay. Mets up two As I'm knocking him, he knocked As you're knocking him. <laughs> he just said, you know what, Jeff Lack? Yeah. You know what, Jeff? <laughs> Giants professor, you annoy me. That's what he just said. As I'm Todd Frazier, yeah. coming into today's game. Six home runs. Okay. 108. He's actually, Todd Frazier, maybe you're right on this one. Todd Frazier so far this year is he's actually, I think, just about... He's just around where he, he is. Right. This is where so I expect this him is to who be. Todd Frazier is. Yes. And you know what? He's got leadership qualities. He's very good defensively. Right. And I and this is just offense we're talking OPS plus. I'm right. not getting into weighted win shares and all that stuff. And believe it or not, ten years ago I laughed at all this stuff, but as I look right. at it, you have to look at players deeper than that. You yeah. have to look at that. So, you know, no Cespedes. That's yep. a lot for a team to have. Yeah. Listen, take the Yankees, if Andujar wasn't playing as he is, if Torres was playing 20% worse, they had Bird that was out. Gary Sanchez is actually not having a great, great year. Right. Um, you know, all of a sudden, they look a lot different. You know, so so to me, you're taking the stretch, which is a statistical outlier in my opinion, and you're saying this team is bad. I I just don't see it. The difference is the Yankees could could replace these guys with Clint Frazier, with Bird, with Who all these guys Clint in the Frazier is? I keep hearing about all this. Listen. The Yankees are going to fall. Drury. The Yankees, are, listen, the Mets were very fortunate that Syndergaard and DeGrom turned out to be elite pitchers. Yep. That's not easy to do. Right. And at one point, they had three of them yep. before Harvey got hurt. The Yankees have Andujar and Torres, who, by the way, have not gone around the league a second time, number right. one. Number two, they have Judge, who has gone around the league a second time. And Bird, call me when he stays healthy for any extended period of time. Okay, that's fair. Okay, Bird gets lumped in. I haven't seen Bird other than hit some home runs. And, and and be another version of Mike Jacobs. Right. That's I fair. haven't seen Bird fair. Do, do anything. Fair. All right. So Clint Frazier, you know, you're telling me he couldn't find any spot on the roster if he's this great. But there's something not right with Clint Frazier. And here's the thing. The Pittsburgh Pirates, and I don't know the details of how those trade talks went, but the Pittsburgh Pirates did not want to give Jared Cole to the Yankees and Clint Frazier being the center of the deal. You have to ask yourself why. Because they hate the Yankees, right. I doubt it. If Clint Frazier is a, so right, I'm I, putting the smackdown on you. Right. No, you're not. Because if I'll tell you why you're not, because if any of these guys were in the Mets trip in the Mets system, they'd be up already, or the fans would be screaming for them to be up. Maybe they'd be up, but maybe Frazier's a Michael Conforto. You're which, right. They could be. Which, well, maybe right. another. So yeah. to me, those are those are not. There's different types of players. I think Conforto has shown to potentially be an impact player, but consistency yeah. is part of that. Yeah. Flashes of impact are not. Right. Yeah, so, I, I agree. But I still, the, I, the two yeah. impact bats that were supposed to anchor this lineup, one is is not playing up to par, which is Conforto. The other is on the DL, which is Cespedes. Right. And let's see, Nimmo actually has become kind of a Ben Zobris type of impact where he gets on base, you know, uh, he's got a good attitude. So I don't yeah. know if I'd call him an impact bat. He's a component player. So, you know, to me, you have a bunch of component players and you have a bunch of guys who are trying to swing for the fences but not hitting home runs. How many deep fly balls have died at the warning track? Yeah, listen, you can't have Cabrera or Bruce as your cleanup hitter. That's a big problem. Well, these are not Again, you don't have the two. Hitter. The guys that you have, they're, they're not here. The guy so, that's right. supposed to be a cleanup hitter is not here. Also, construction lineup. Now, here's another thing. The media and how the media is treating Mickey Calloway, I think, is absurdly funny. Because, number one, I think Mickey Calloway is an intelligent guy. I think he's um, a guy that is trying to, in a big market, in a tough place to manage, 
to a certain degree, learn managing on the job. There's always going to be a learning curve. I don't think he's done anything that, in terms of bullpen management, which is so terrible that no other manager. I mean, I could go through all 30 teams and go through their games, and there's going to be complaints about bullpen management. Sure. The lineup thing, yeah, I understand. That's kind of more than just him. Uh, but he's not the first one to do that. Uh, his post game now is what they're picking him on, like Bob yeah. Raceman now. <laughs> well, you know, his post game, he's not hand- – like, all of a sudden, I'm going to read this to you, Jeff, because this made me laugh. Between that dope on WFAN, Mike Francesa, who says he's an odd guy. You know why Francesa thinks Callaway's an odd guy? Because Callaway's intelligent and Francesa's not. <laughs> Francesa's one of the more inarticulate people that I've, I've heard out there. So, Raceman – um, Francis is complaining that Callaway doesn't have real answers. What do you want Callaway to say when his team doesn't hit every night? What do you want him to say? Well, like, this you. is what the fa- The fans want Callaway to go out there and be dopey like them. Oh, this team stinks. This play- That's not how you manage a team. What well, are you going to say? What is he going to say? He, there's nothing. He, he has no- I watch these games, and I'm speechless. I'm coming on the air trying to figure out why guys like – Jay Bruce are hitting 30% below league average. Now, is he going to disclose an injury? Of course he's not. Well, yeah, this has nothing to do with his quality as a manager, but I will say there are a lot of answers he's given that I do not understand. At, I literally Give me an don't example. Un- an I exam- understand everything I'll, he I'll says. T- I'll, t- I'll give you one perfect example. This is my favorite example. The Cabrera bunt. When they asked him, was he given the I sign I think he bunt? was trying to cover for Cabrera. I agree with that. See, there— That was a bizarre answer, right? Well, he should have not—well, he's covering for his player, which Terry Collins did all the time. And to me, I would just say he debunked it on his own. See, that's where he has to learn how to handle the media. I've said a baseball manager has to do three things. He has to handle his clubhouse. And so far, you haven't heard any leaks out of there of disgruntled players. But we'll see. There's still time. You have to handle the media, and you have to manage a bullpen. Well, I think you're right about that. I think it's amazing. His handling of the media has been he's not really politicized. Like, Terry was a politician. He knew how to survive because he said to himself, this team is going to be not so great. I'm going to start to get torched. So he had the media in his corner from day one. Right. What makes me laugh about Raceman is he talks about when you compare Callaway to Collins, Collins, who he says, brought his heart to the microphone, <laughs> delivered the quote, often openly challenged the man, a.k.a. Sandy Alderson, in the front office. He challenged the man? Like, did I miss something in seven years? No. I saw a guy who was inarticulate, who could not manage a bullpen. I saw a guy that... If you talk about odd answers, gave audiences. Yeah. I saw a guy that for a year and a freaking half told everybody that it's in this team's DNA to be a second-half team, as if there's a DNA of a team playing well in the first half or the second half. Yeah. It was all coincidence. I saw 20-plus good weeks of uh, baseball into this guy. Yeah. I thought the 2011 to 2014 teams could have been better if they were pushed. He was more interested in keeping the veterans happy so that they didn't have a revolt like he did in Anaheim. And now the media is – like, they're creating this thing about Terry because – you know what? Callaway's not giving them what they want that I don't remember seeing. And look, I see the same press conferences that those guys do because everything's televised now. Yep. Now, I don't hear what Terry does on the back end, but neither does Raceman because Raceman's not in the clubhouse. Right. Well, let me give you some. Let me give you credit, major credit where credit is due. You were yelling and screaming on Twitter and elsewhere about Collins for years, and I was the first one killing you. And not that I disagreed with you, I actually agreed, and I agree with you now too. But you didn't think it was a big deal, right? I agreed with you. everything you ever said about Terry Collins. Everything. 
Except I said, you know what? Managers don't have that much of an impact. And then what happened? Because the Mets were a bad team all those years. And then what happens? They become a decent team. They I looked playoffs. at pro- the bullpen was my biggest thing. He wasn't. Listen, was I, I, the biggest mistake, and Sandy Olis's contract runs out in 2019. Thank God. The biggest mistake, and maybe this is ownership. Maybe this was Fred and Jeff. Probably more Fred than Jeff, because I know for a fact Jeff wanted to fire Collins a couple times. Fred didn't. He should have brought in a young, like the Callaway mold here, a manager who's young and, and fresh and new when they were rebuilding so he could build the culture along the way. Who did you did, want? Did you want somebody? I wanted Wally Backman. Wally Backman. Okay. And I know that I have a feeling that I don't know all the details. I think he was he was I think there were people in the organization, namely Jeff Wilpon, that wanted him. I'm not sure Fred was sold on how well he would behave. I don't think Wally was Sandy's type of guy. Um and clearly that got that relationship went sour when Wally was let go or yeah. quit, whatever you say. To me, um, that's the mistake you made because then you could have built the culture up while you were rebuilding. You brought a guy in who was basically a caretaker, and then that caretaker who was about to get fired got lucky, got to the World Series, and then you couldn't fire him, Right. and you left him around too. Right, long. that was a big problem. They couldn't fire him after and that. And that's where I'm, I'm being a uh, hypocrite because I said, well, the World Series was the worst thing. See, I don't want... I wasn't about to uh, be happy about a team not achieving because I wanted the manager fired. Right. The manager should have been fired in 2014 or 2013. Right. You were on record with that. I was on record with that. And I saw games getting blown, which were meaningless games in the scope of those seasons. But I said, that's going to burn them. Right. And you were right about that. It happened in the World Series. You were 100% right about that. But but old news. Old news on that. So, you know, to me – that's uh, that's part of it. Now, let me ask you this question. This kind of goes both teams. This has been a good Subway Series in terms of games. Yeah. Like, you look at this just from the games, it's been a good Subway Series. I don't. I still don't think the juice has come back to this series. I no don't question. feel it. Yeah. I, I know the Yankee fans are having fun. Yeah. But the Yankee fans are not having fun necessarily because the Mets, they're beating the Mets. They like that. It's because their team is playing really well. Right. They're on pace to win a ton of games, and they have these young players. See, the Yankee fan right now has the modern fan nirvana. They're winning. They're winning with homegrown players, which they haven't had. You have to remember, this, this, the Yankee fans, are like, Yankee fans are like the high school kid that finally got introduced to girls after being in an all-boys school for his whole life. Right. They, they're let out of the cage, and their yeah. hormones are racing because all those years they had to rely on veterans, right. and they had to rely on payroll. Now they could be, in their minds— well, we're going to be the home. These are homegrown guys. We could grow up with them. They could see the next cheater, the next Posada. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and they're winning with that. So they're the modern. It's farm system winning championships. Yep. It's not just winning with players who are brought together. Yep. It's winning with the process. 100%. And that's what fans want now. Maybe not the fans who call up WFAN, but the fans who, again, you, when you look at Twitter. Well, I don't think fans care how it comes about, to be honest with you. I think the younger fans want win with home. You think so? They're giving Conforto Mets fans such a pass. They should not be getting a pass. But they would never give Conforto a pass if he was the same player, but he came from another organization. That that might be. I'm not sure why that is. I think I think people know he came back early from an injury, and I think they see other players on much greater, on a much more dramatic level, underperforming. I think people are kind of outdoing him, so to speak. They're underperforming right. to the extent that it makes his underperformance look right. you know, not as bad. But to your point, in terms of the Subway Series, in terms of the impact it, it has on the average fan, I think you're a 1,000% right. I think Yankee fans see this as another game, as another series. 
they look at the Mets as just another team, as another three-game right. And I look at that the same. See, nobody, those who are too young to remember, really can't grasp 1997, that mm-hmm. Subway Series. Like, it's hard for them to right. grasp. The f- how fun that was, how yeah. intense that was. 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001. I'll even say going all the way up to about 2006, 2007, it started to change for me yep. when the Yankees ma- didn't make the playoffs in 2008. The Mets got bad. Then there was a the changeover to Girardi. Somewhere after the 10-year anniversary or thereabouts, it changed. Yeah. And I've always felt less is more now. I think doing a four-game series, home-and-home, home, a, a week of baseball, which they did last year, is better than this 3-3. Three and three. I think you should have it earlier in the season. September, to me, it's just it's an outlier because you should be playing your division in September. And I know that they're probably going to eventually address it, but they're going to have to do it through expansion because of the way the schedule is. Right. I think interleague play maybe has run its course, so maybe there needs to be an adjustment to it. Well, I first. also think that the 2000 World Series killed the Subway Series. Maybe so. Because it was so anticlimactic, so. you know, it really right. was. And I think that really hurt it as well for the, even the people of our generation. Like, my excitement for it went down after that, for good. Well, that's fair, because if you really look, and I've said this, and Rich, could, Rich has been here, 97 to 2000 was really one season. It was a buildup between Mets-Yankees, Mets right. building back up into contention for the first time since the 80s. And you're right, 2000, if the Mets had pulled off winning that series, the course of their history would have been completely different, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and you're right. At that point, what happened there was, and maybe this goes to your criticism of ownership, they could have went out and gone on a Yankees-type spending spree for A-Rod yep. and guys like that. Yep. Maybe kept Hampton. Remember, not signing Hampton got them David Wright, so always you know, be careful with that stuff. Um, maybe you're right. Maybe that's <laughs> when it started. But I thought the 2016, there was still that juice – 2007. But don't forget also, that that entrenched the Yankee dynasty, too. That 2000 season was an entrenchment right. of a, one of the greatest dynasties it was the cherry, listen, of all time. If you look at if you're a Yankee fan and you grew up and you were a young fan at that point, that was the cherry on top. That, yeah. was, your, your, that was the final championship before 09. Right. It was against the cross time. There was nothing left for you to do other than win another one, right. which they didn't. Or they almost did. I think, I think 2000, let me rephrase that. I think 2001, because of 9-11. And I don't like, personally, how they connect. I know that there was a healing process with baseball. But it's easy for a guy like me, who didn't lose anybody in the towers, to use baseball as a healing process. A lot harder for people who lost people. I know it's a distraction. I think they overrate that a little bit. But I think that would have been good for New York at that point. Yeah, I I, I agree. And and, and that may be where that would have been the ultimate cherry on top. But so be it. Uh, and I think the Yankees became rather unlikable when they started going after Giambi and, and Mercenary, Randy Johnson, and things like that. So yeah. um, I definitely think that that's part of it. I don't know if you could get it back. I don't know. Maybe a World Series? Unless it's an actual Subway World right. Series, which who knows if you and I will ever see another right. one of those in our lifetime. Or one that's in, on an even keel where the teams are equally competitive. Right now they're so dispar- disparate. They're not really, in terms of pure talent, you can't compare them. Right. You would well, agree with Mets, that, right? Um, I think, you know, right now, uh, here's how I would grade I think the Mets starting rotation is better. I think the Yankees' offense is far superior. I think they've done a great job. I think the biggest difference about the Mets and the Yankees is they've done a great job developing players. And and, and mainly, Aaron Judge is about development. I mean, Aaron Judge, you can see, yeah. he came up, he was lost. I think they've done a lot better job in the international market, and 
that's that's money. Well, I think that's money. if the Mets finances weren't so putrid, Sandy Alderson would have been long gone, in my opinion. I think you, maybe you'd have a different opinion on Sandy Alderson. And I will tell you this, and I know you brought this up on Facebook, and I didn't want to get to this because we have about 10 minutes Uh-oh. left. You know, Mets fans do annoy me because they are the <laughs> most difficult fan base to get behind. They want every everything is, oh, my God, you know, the DeGrom night with the elbow. Oh, my God, he's out right away. And I understand. I really believe in synergy and energy, and I think you can will yourself. I think there is a pall and a negativity to this fan base, and I think the team has to almost overcome that. The fans are waiting for the roof to cave in, and Joel Sherman has started to talk about it in a column. I mentioned Joel quite a bit tonight. Where is this team now the, the modern-day Rangers with 1940, the modern-day Red Sox? <laughs> well, with the Rangers, there wasn't a question about the ownership commitment, though. That's a huge difference. Go back to the 70s and the 80s. I think people were really angry with the way the Rangers were run. Well, I'm, think, I'm just talking about the late 80s and the 90s up until the championship. Right. I mean, ownership's a component. I mean, don't of, forget, they went out, they got Messier and Gretzky. They were doing all the right things. This is before that, right. is when they got Messier. Right, right. Right. But know, they, but they, Ranger yeah. fans were waiting for something bad to happen. And let's face it, they, they've only won one cup. Knicks yeah. have actually become kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, think about it. And I root for both the Knicks and the Mets. This is... You've had a bad streak, man. And the 90s were great. And maybe, you know, I always thought to myself, I started really watching sports mid-80s. You're about the same age as me. Yep. So 87, 88 is when I started really started watching sports. Then the 90s when you're in college... High school, college, you start to have a lot of fun with it, and it becomes a big part of your life, and you had the Knicks, yep. the finals, two finals appearances, Mets in the 90s with Bobby V. Maybe, you know, that was a little bit too much too soon. <laughs> Maybe that's the case. You had too much fun, huh? And, you do, and it does drive me nuts when I see You teams. didn't get a championship out of that, though. No. Couldn't have been that much fun. No, and I really can't, as a fan, forget about it on a talk show host, as a fan, I can't take credit for 86. I was nine years old. Now, really, I, now I was I was 12, so I really enjoyed You could that. probably enjoy it, and I wasn't yeah. watching. I'll be the first to admit. Yeah. It was like maybe during the – I got into, like, the postseason because everybody was into right. it. And my dad was, you know, a Mets fan, so he's into it. And that's kind of what sparked it, so maybe that's where it is. So, yeah. But, um, you know, that's so be it. So the Mets up 2 nothing. Severino's out of the game. Maybe they salvage this game. Maybe this could be when the Mets go in September – and they're playing for a postseason spot. Maybe this will be the game. Wow, that is a very optimistic. I mean, Listen, extremely. Here's optimistic what I'll say. Case. I'll leave you with this. I'll leave you with my last point on the Mets and all this stuff. If this, if if they're, even if they're at 500, like Catino said at the All Star break, they have to look about how realistic it is to make the playoffs. I would yep. trade Familia. I would trade Cabrera. I would see if Frazier or Bruce. I doubt you get anything for Bruce. I wouldn't. Dis- Conforto probably would be tougher, but I wouldn't discount throwing Conforto out there, too. Um, well, why would you Mezzarocco? trade Conforto? He's at a low point now. You're going to trade Conforto? I'm not, I he... just throw it out there and say, what What could you get? Maybe there's a team out there that's willing to take him on, and you don't know what you don't know until somebody says something, you know. Uh, nobody thought, I'm not saying you should do it. You just see what the deal is. Mm-hmm. Maybe he gets hot at that point, you know? Maybe. Um, I would look at that. I would not trade DeGrom. I would not trade, I wouldn't break up this. And look at, you know, Seth Lugo. Maybe becoming and maybe you have to. It's going to hurt the bullpen. You have to think about putting him in the rotation after tonight. I mean, this is a great lineup. Forget about the fact that Aaron Judge is not there. It is no question. So, anything you want to add before we wrap up here? It's been fun. It's been a it's lot too, of fun. Too quick. You, I know yeah. you're trying to get into the world of radio there. 
Jeff, uh, at Giants Professor on Twitter, if people want to follow you. Anything else you know you want to let them know about or uh, no? Listen, I appreciate you having me on. It's really been a lot of fun. You do a great job, Thank and you. there have been many times where I've called you out and I've been wrong. So I'm. You should listen I, to me. More. I am here. I am here admitting that to your listeners and telling them that think twice about criticizing you because <laughs> you sometimes end up correct. At Mike Silva Media is my Twitter handle. You can check me out every week the Talking Mets podcast on iTunes. Also, you can check me out with my partners over at MetsmorizedOnline.com. They always syndicate it. I'll have some MLB draft content coming up in the morning. Uh, our buddy Joe DeMeo, Seven Line, Amazing Avenue, does great stuff covering the draft. Get a chance to see how the Mets did this year because the draft is going to be a big part of now the two-way uh, component of baseball, which is contending and almost developing and rebuilding at the same time. So anyway, I want to thank Justin Walters for popping on. I want to thank Rich Catino. I want to thank you, Jeff, at Giants Professor. Hey, everybody, have a great rest of your weekend. Great Sunday. I'll be back soon. I don't know. Keep going at Mike Silva Media for the latest on what's going on with me. Till then, be well. Take care. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.